Thank you, Jesus. This is a whole new level of scared up here. I'm used to being down there. It's okay. I submit to you, Bishop, and uh, I won't take any time, but I do honor you. I thank you for this opportunity, and um, I don't know how this is going to come out. I'm just going to speak from my heart. Y'all can sit. I might be heavy on the testimony because literally she spoke every, all my scriptures, and even last Wednesday, Bishop started it off. When he started speaking about let your faith be genuine, when he started talking about James being a bond servant, a voluntary bond servant that was stuck to God, when he said that the bonding agent must come from you, you make a choice. You have to make a choice. And that's really where I've been living the last three years. Um, the authenticity of your faith, I think, is what he talked about. Uh, on my way home that night, I said, Lord, I, I tattletailed on you a little bit, Bishop. I said, Lord, he took all my scriptures. I don't know what I'm going to talk about now. You left me one. And then I get here, and Allie stole that one. But at least we know we're in the vein, the same vein. So I'm just going to talk from my heart. Um, one scripture that we will go to if you want to go to 2 Kings 4 and 8. While you're turning there, I'm going to recap a little bit. Last week, Bishop talked about Genesis 22 and Abraham is one of the scriptures that I had. But I do want to mention, God chooses the means of testings to find out if your faith is genuine. And he talked about how Abraham was called to submit to something that didn't make any sense at the time. It was contrary to what he had already been previously told. He'd been given a promise. And the miracle that Isaac was already conceived in his old age, he was already born. So there was no doubt that the promise was coming to pass. He was already there. there he didn't have to have the faith to believe it. He was already halfway there. But the testing of that faith is what he still lacked. And I feel like that really spoke to me last week and the last few years. Like I said, your trials reveal your character. So in my, uh, in my reading... I read in 2 Kings 4 and 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman. That means great, a great woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. First of all, who needs to be persuaded to eat some food? But that word persuaded, I think one of the versions says constrained. means she was bold, she was strong. So maybe she was a little bit of a stubborn woman. I'm like, okay, Lord, I can relate to this lady. <laughs> and she said in verse 9, she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so that it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he lay down. And he said to Gehazi, a servant, Call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said, Say now to her, look, you have been very concerned with us with all this care. What can we do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the armies? And her answer, I dwell among my own people. 
kind of gave me pause. I didn't really understand what that meant. And in pondering and talking to the Lord about it and researching it a little bit, I dwell in my, among my own people. What he had asked, do you want me to go before the king or the commander of the army? I feel like he was trying to repay her back, and he was asking her where she lacked. And her answer was, I'm very content in where I am. I live among my people. I have everything I need. There's nothing that you can give me. I just want to bless you. And so she left because the next thing he says here in verse 14, he said, what then is it to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. So apparently she had left. She's like, I'm good. And then she went about her business. So they're talking amongst themselves. And the servant says to her, to him, actually, she has no son and the husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father's at the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And at this point, I'm reading, the Lord spoke to me and he said clearly, she had a choice. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. And it goes in line with everything that's been spoken last week and today. The Shunammite woman, she had been given a promise, but her circumstances when he died did not line up with what had been promised her. And she had a choice. And I feel like every single one of us, if you think back, if you think on your life and where you're at right now, you know that there's a disappointment that immediately comes to mind. You know that there's a promise that immediately comes to mind. You know that God has either spoken to you something directly, you've had a dream, the bishop has identified it, there's been an impartation, there's been more than one impartation, and if it has not come to pass yet, I'm talking to you today, because you have a choice. I'm not going to go into details, I don't think I will, the Lord might make me go into details, but I have been prophesied over, I have been, I've had two impartations, and Bishop has identified in public and in private things that he considers that are in me, that God has given me that I desire to operate in. I do, I want those. At one point in my walk a few years back, if you don't know, I was hit head on in um, a pretty bad car accident, and it derailed everything about me. Not only that, there were spiritual things that were going on at the same time too. So everything that God had spoken to me that I felt, I believed him for. I truly believed him for. At this point, everything had changed. I couldn't even get out of bed unassisted. I couldn't even walk unassisted. I'm still in pain. I'm in pain right now. But, like the song that they sang tonight was on point. No matter what comes my way, I'm still going to praise him. I have a choice. My response. And 
every bit of her circumstances pointed to the opposite of what God had given her of that promise. I'm going to go back to, let me see here. As soon as the child died in her arms in verse 20, the very next thing, verse 21, this is where it kind of got me, said immediately, she just, she went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. And she made her way, I'll paraphrase, she made her way to go back to the man of God. I also, I asked the Lord, why was it that she went and laid him up on the bed? And he's, he kind of, I don't know if this is the correct, but this is my impression. That was where that promise was made. Because if you read back, he was laying on the bed. He called her back. She's standing in the doorway. That is where that promise was made. So it doesn't matter what comes afterwards. In the field, when the baby had that headache. In the house downstairs, when the baby died in her arms. It doesn't matter what, where you are or what you've gone through or what has happened. You've got to remember that promise. Sister Lyra preached not too long ago, and I was like, she spoke everything about me. My circumstances are different, but I related to every part of what she said. Her circumstances did not dictate her praise. My circumstances did not dictate my belief system either. The promise dictates my praise. The promise dictates my response. Also, um... I was going to go to Genesis 16 also, but she went, and she talked about the promise, the promised child. Well, I'm going to talk about the child of disobedience that was born. Hagar, when she, she was an Egyptian slave. Um, that is in Genesis 16, if you want to read in there. But Hagar was an Egyptian slave, and like she said, like Allie said, Sister Allie said, Sarah wanted to put her hands into it. She wanted to rush the process. She wanted to mess things up. And when you do that, this is just a little side note, you don't always affect just your life. You affect those around you. And Hagar was one of those people that was affected by that decision. And when she went in and she became a a wife to him and she conceived, I don't know if she lost her place and she didn't really realize, I don't know if she just kind of like overstepped her boundaries because she started becoming ugly with Sarah and Sarah treated her harshly and she, like she said, she fled. But the point that I want to make about that is that when she went out into the desert in Genesis 16 and 7 is the key verse that I want to get to. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said to her, Hagar, Sarah's maid. He identified her. He reminded her who she was. Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my from the presence of a, my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. I read this a few months back and it really spoke to me and it stuck with me ever since. God sometimes calls you to endure. We're, we want to be delivered. We want to put our hand into it. We want to change. We want to make things happen. Instead of just resting and knowing that God is in control, not you. When you put your hands on things, yes, you can do what you're able to do, but ultimately God is in control, and you've got to let him have that that control. Whenever Hagar got that word, she also got a promise, but that promise for her, um, her, her child, it hinged on her having to return and submit herself to that 
situation. It hinged on her obedience fully in whatever God was asking her to do at that time. Whatever her master was asking her to do at that time, she had to submit to it no matter what. And it's a hard place to be. Um, A few years back, whenever I had this car accident, I have never been in so much pain. I have never wanted to be delivered from something so badly. But years before that, I prayed a prayer, and I said, whatever, Lord. I was naive. (laughs) I said, whatever, Lord, because I love you that much. Where else am I going to go? I love you, God. So whatever, God, you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I had no idea that this is what it would be. But because it is, I'm submitted to it, and I'm going to praise him through every bit of it. During that time, there was some other things that were going on, and I didn't understand what was happening at the time, and I was wounded, and I was hurting, both physically and spiritually. And I'll never forget, I prayed a prayer, and I prayed it every single time I thought about it. And usually, it's funny, I had, during my car accident, I was in therapy, physical therapy, not mental therapy. (laughs) I was in physical therapy like three times a week. I was going to chiropractors. I was going to um, shock therapy. I was going to everything you can think of because I was in so much pain. And every time I'd go to therapy, I would pray because they would put you to warm up on the, on the treadmill. And I would pray for my bishop. And I would tell God, I'm like, I need you, Lord, to cleave my heart to him. I didn't want my misunderstanding, I didn't want anything to come in between because cleave, the word cleave is used in scripture really to describe marriage. And it means to to put them together to where nothing comes in between. And that was my prayer basically. I wanted nothing to come in between me and God, nothing to come in between me and the man of God. And so I would pray that and I would pray for him and cover him and I would ask him, God, Don't let anything come in between. Don't let bitterness come in because it's a quick thing that can happen and it can grow quickly. And I wanted to stay pure. And I'm going to tell you to this day, I know that the reason that I'm standing here, out there and here, is because of my response to what I went through during that situation. When the boy died, the promise died, the Shunammite woman, she had a choice to make. She could have got angry. She could have buried him and gone about her business. She could have been mad at the man of God. You lied to me. Did I not say don't lie to me? She could have done all of these things. And you too have a choice. We sit underneath a bishop that has an impeccable character. I'm honoring you now. So he's impeccable character. You have to trust him. You have to trust him. I went through... A situation. I was involved in so many things, and then at one point, I was involved in nothing. And in both seasons, I needed to trust him. In both seasons, I needed to honor him and respect him. I don't know why I'm really bogging down here, but I, I believe that your response to whatever it is that you're in the midst of, 
your response to that determines the resurrection of your promise or if it's just going to be a, death, a dead promise. Because the Shunammite woman could have walked away. Her response is the only reason why. I'm going to tell you another part of this story. Whenever she's going to, to see him, Elisha recognizes her from afar off. There was a relationship there. There was a trust there. It says that he came to her and asked immediately, what is wrong? Are you okay? Is your husband okay? Is your child okay? You don't think your bishop cares about you? He knows you. He can recognize you from afar off. He may not say it to your face, but that man has a burden for you. I know it because he had a burden for me. Not too long ago, there was tongues interpretation. I think it was last week that tongues and interpretation that went forth uh, for Brother Mario and Sister Kaylee. They're great people, aren't they? I love them. <laughs> the tongues and interpretation that went through specifically said that because of, I have it somewhere, because of his response, because of their response, there is a great ministry for you. I'm sorry to embarrass you, but I need to use you as an example. He said there's a special anointing that you have obtained because of your consecration, because of your worship of him, I think is what he said exactly. You've been tested and tried, tried and true before, appointed by God. He also said, he called it a sweet aroma. If you want whatever it is that God has promised you, your response to the apparent death of it is key. That's what you need to focus on. I'm a nobody. There's nothing special about me whatsoever, but God has singled me out. He singled y'all out as well. And I want what he has spoken over me. So it's been an active thing for me to praise God, submit to the process, no matter how much it hurts, and to honor those above me. No matter what comes your way, it's not a death. It's just a delay. Abraham needed to be tested for the second part of that promise to come to pass. He needed, God needed to know what's in his heart. Joseph got the dream all the way over here had to go through all of that to make sure he could handle it. I know it's cliche, but he had to go through every bit of that. His response, if he had gotten twisted up at any one of those, it would have killed it. And not just him, the nation would have perished. Everything hinges on your response. I don't know all that God has in store for me, but I do know that during my season of silence, my season of suffering... In solitude, I will not let my pain go in vain. And if you need a title, there you go. Don't let your pain go in vain. I don't know all that God has in store for me yet, but whatever it is, I want to endure to the end, and I want him to know that I'm available for whatever it is. I want to be found right in his spirit. Thank you, and God bless you.